Thank you for tuning in to our podcast, Salt and Light, where we'll cover foundational principles for being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Enjoy this episode with ears to hear and hearts that listen. So let's go check the facts with your host, also known as my dad, Casey Harrison. Welcome back and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Salt and Light Ministry. This is the 513 Project where we boldly illuminate genetically altered Christianity and we replace it with a firm foundation for a relationship with Jesus Christ while empowering disciples to disciple. Now, first off, I want to apologize that I haven't put out any episodes the past couple of weeks. It has really been kind of a mind-boggling couple of weeks with everything that's been going on. My daughter got sick. She had to go to the hospital. She got diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, which I'm going to be covering more of that here in a few minutes. Um, along with Christmas and with New Year's, it's just been a roller coaster. And I'm going to be completely honest with you. I didn't use my toolbox. Some people might think, oh, you're a minister. You're supposed to have all this stuff down pat before you teach it, right? No, the Lord is still working on me the same way that he's working on you. I am not perfect. I will never be perfect. If I was, my name would be Jesus Christ. And it's not. So one thing to remember is, I'm walking through all of these lessons with you. So if you don't do everything the way God wants you to do it the first time, well, he's kind of expecting that. He knows that you're broken. He knows that you're imperfect. He knows that I'm broken. He knows that I'm imperfect. But we're made perfect through the person of Jesus Christ and through our relationship with him. So if anyone out there thinks that I've got everything together and I don't have issues, you are massively wrong. And let me explain what I mean by that. Remember, we've been going through this toolbox series. And let me give you a quick reference. First was the blueprint. Second is the crew. Third is the inner voice, not the Holy Spirit, but that inner voice inside of us telling us right from wrong. And everybody has it, saint and sinner. Then we've got our feelings and our emotions. And then we have the Holy Spirit as well. God gave us all of these tools to use in every decision that we make. So that no matter what's going on, if a crisis hits us or we step into a situation we shouldn't be in, we still have these tools that we can use to guide us back to the purpose and plan that God has for our lives. So let me get back to what I was talking about with my daughter. On December 17th, I got a phone call about 6.30 a.m. And it was my daughter's stepfather saying, hey, the doctor just called us and Lana's got to get to the hospital. She's got blood sugar over 500. Wow. You're talking about mind blown in that moment. And looking back at that moment, I realized that I went into my defensive mechanisms that I've had for the past 39 years. I didn't dive into my toolbox to see, hey God, what's going on? I didn't go to him first. I made that mistake. So what do I do? I immediately go into dad mode, get ready, go up to the hospital, see my daughter there, and she's all happy-go-lucky, and that's just who she is. And the doctor comes in and says, hey, she's got type 1 diabetes. Her pancreas is not working whatsoever. They check her blood sugar levels, and it's still over 400. And for those of you that don't know, that's pretty high. So after that, they admitted her to the hospital where we had to go through this book on how to maintain diabetes and 
what your life is going to look like, what you can eat, what you can't eat. How do you check the blood sugar? How do you take the insulin shot? Went through all of that while we were up there in the hospital, learning all of these things about diabetes. And I still had not once said, God, what is going on? I hadn't asked God for his help in calming down my anxiety because I'm over here super anxious, trying to keep a smile on my face so my daughter doesn't get down and depressed. I want to keep her spirits high, so she's my focus, and my focus wasn't on God. Yes, this is my daughter. Of course my focus is going to be on her, but my focus first and foremost should be on the one that gave her life as well as the one that gave me life. And in those moments that I'm up there in the hospital, I'm seeing my daughter in that hospital gown, I feel like I've been slapped in the face because I'm over here teaching what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. And I don't have the faith to believe that my daughter's going to be okay, but I've got the face to make other people believe it. See, my mind immediately started to race down the analytical superhighway, trying to understand what was happening. And that's when that question popped into my mind. Why? Have you ever been faced with a situation and the first thing that pops into your mind is, why me? Let's put off to the fact that that's a pretty selfish question. Has that ever happened to you? Because it happened to me. When that question popped in my mind, why? Why is God allowing my daughter to have type 1 diabetes? I've been going to ministry school. I've been paying my tithe. I've been doing my best to stay focused on the mission that he's given me. Why does my daughter have type 1 diabetes? How is that fair? It's one of those questions that popped into my mind that only shows up when I'm angry, sad, or hurting. I'm hoping somebody out there listening can relate. Because it's that question that we cannot answer without God's help, no matter how much we try. So I spent the next week trying to figure out this why question while still trying to support my daughter through everything she's going through. But I was so focused on my daughter's condition and my own feelings that I wasn't allowing myself to take a step back and slow down long enough to actually listen to the inner voice inside of me and the Holy Spirit's guidance. I was stuck in my emotions. I was stuck in my head while at the same time trying to keep a strong and happy face for my daughter. I'd slipped back into I can't figure this out mode. I need to understand. In retrospect, of course, it was a pride defense mechanism that I've had for the past 39 years. You know in scripture where it says, be not conformed to this world, but be therefore transformed by the renewing of your mind? I'd step back into my conformity, not my transformity. It was a part of me that was conformed to the world before I ever knew Christ. And it was the easiest part to step into. What you have the most practice at is the easiest skill to fall back on. Moving on. We end up leaving the hospital on that Friday and we head out on our family vacation. And the whole time we're gone, I still never check in with God. Not once did I ask God about the situation that my daughter's been placed in. And we're talking a good five days a week of me racking my brain trying to figure out this whole diabetes thing. Understanding it, supporting my daughter, how many carbs are in everything she eats. I was worrying if my daughter would be okay if by some chance I made a mistake. It was so nerve-wracking because I hadn't even thought about using my toolbox. 
And honestly, it wasn't even until we were driving home that I finally started to open up to my wife. And it wasn't after talking with her that I even considered the tools that God gave me. Talk about feeling like an idiot. You see, my wife is a part of my crew. My wife is a part of the people God surrounded me with. And she reminded me that I have to give it to God and let Him handle it. You know the old phrase, let go and let God? It's still a lot easier said than done. And of course, I tried telling my wife that it would be easier if he would just answer the why. Like, tell me why and I can give it to you. Sounds logical, right? But do you have one of those friends or family members that like to repeat back to you something you told them a long time ago that helped them get through a situation? Well, this is one of those situations my wife did it to me. She turns around and uses the teachings that God gave me back on me. And she told me to kick the why to the side. Full transparency, of course. I don't remember exactly what she said, but I do remember what I heard. And what I heard was the why doesn't matter, does it? I mean, if you believe God is all-powerful, then why not just submit to Him and let Him handle it? No matter what He does with the situation you submit to Him, wouldn't it work out for the best? And that's what Romans 8.28 says. All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. Let it go. Get some rest. We're here with the diabetes. We're not on the other side of it yet. Meaning we're not in the future. We're in the right now. So be here right now, is what she was telling me. Another part of what she said was you have to accept where you're at and expect God to change it when He knows it's the best time. And of course, that was what I needed to hear. And it was given in a way that I needed to hear it. My wife and I could have had this conversation days earlier if I'd only used the tools God had gave me to use. Because in that situation that her and I had, I realized that my definitions were mixed up. I thought that if I accepted it, that means I was conceding to it. Remember in our foundation series, God's, God is omniscient, He's omnipresent, He's omnipotent, all-knowing, all-powerful, everywhere all at the same time? Those are things that I know in my head and I believe in my heart, but when something hit home, it wasn't the first place I ran to. Because I thought if I accepted the situation, I was conceding to the situation. And that's not what was going on. Accepting the situation for what it is is not the same as giving into it. So that was the crew that God knew I needed in that moment. So God used my crew to get to me. What's the next step for me to get through all of this? I need to go back to the blueprint and check it out. Not that I don't believe my wife, but God knows best better than anyone else. So let me go back and verify what it is that God says about this type of situation. And the Holy Spirit inside of me brought up Philippians 4, verses 4 through 6. And that says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. All right, let's stop right there for a second. Rejoice in the Lord always. This is a situation that doesn't call for rejoicing in my book. My kid's pancreas stopped working. That hits home. 
But God says, rejoice in the Lord always. In verse 5, he says, let your gentleness be known to all men. Do you think from the time my daughter was in the hospital to the time that I had this conversation with my wife, that I was showing gentleness? Because gentleness here is just another way of saying belief, that you believe in what you say. I didn't put my faith and trust in God, not in that previous week. But here God's telling me, let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is here right now. And then, of course, the scripture that really popped me in the back of the head that helped open up my eyes is Philippians 4, verses 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. Wow. I was so tied up in what was going on in the situation that my anxiety was out of control. I was fearful for my daughter and what she had to go through for the rest of her life, while at the same time thinking that I wasn't going to accept it. Frankly, I wasn't being honest with myself. But God said, be anxious for nothing. And then the Holy Spirit brought back other teachings that I've learned over the years. Be honest with God with where you're at, and He'll meet you there. God will meet you where you're at, not where you pretend to be. It took my crew, the Holy Spirit, pointing out in the blueprint for me to be able to see the emotions that I had and figure out how to use them to build up and not tear down. That's the application of the toolbox. That's what God wants you to do in every situation of your life, in every decision of your life. That's what it means to submit to sovereignty. Continue reading God's word so it can come up and be used when you need it the most. Because yes, you have that inner voice inside of you telling you right from wrong. And it's the Holy Spirit that guides you to the scriptures that prove it. But how many of you know that it's hard to remember something you never heard and that you've never heard for yourself? I have heard it for myself and it was difficult for me. Don't think that having a relationship with God is going to be easy. It's not. You're going to fall down. But one of my favorite sayings comes from the movie Batman Begins. Bruce, why do we fall? So we can learn how to get back up. To wrap this up, you're going to have situations that using the tools that God gave you is not going to be the first thing on your mind. Let me be the first to tell you, that's okay. You might fail in that situation. You might fail in that choice. You might make the choice that God really doesn't want you to make. But this is how loving and gracious God is. He'll bring you back to that same choice so you can make a different, correct choice later. God's not going to hang you out to dry. He's going to continuously bring you back. Say, hey, here's another opportunity to stop conforming to the world in the way that you used to do things and allow me to step in to that situation. Let me show you how it's done. This is your chance. Use the tools God gave you. As of the time of this recording, it's January 3rd. It's the beginning of 2021. I feel in my spirit to tell each and every one of you, this is your chance. Let God help you walk out the rest of this year. This is your chance. 
You want to make New Year's resolutions? Then resolute to reading Scripture. I don't care if it's just one Scripture a day. I don't care if it's one Scripture a week. And then read that same Scripture all week long until the Holy Spirit shows you something that you never knew. This is your chance to be honest with where you're at and let God be God. Don't try to control Him and His plan. You will fail. And let me put it this way. If you do try to control God and God's plan, you will fail. And by the grace of God, you could have another opportunity to get back up. Because failing in one situation does not make you a failure. Falling face down in the mud gets your face dirty. It kills you if you stay there. You're only a failure if you stay down. So get up. In Ephesians, God says, put on the whole armor of God and stand. That's one of my favorite passages of Scripture. Because God only told you to stand. He never told you to fight the battle. There's a song by Michael W. Smith. This is how we fight our battles. Yeah, stand. That's how you fight your battle. Just stand. For me, last year was catch the vision. It was 2020. This year, it's stand and know that I am God. So I'm asking everyone who's listening to this podcast this year, make that your word. Stand and know that He is God. Now that concludes the Toolbox series. The next week, we're going to go into a book of the Bible and just start going Scripture for Scripture and see what God tells us. We're going to get back to the basics because we've got our foundation. We're going to submit to sovereignty. We're going to use the tools that God gave us in all of the decisions in our life, and we're going to learn how to stand on His Word and start having more conversations with God. Thank you for tuning in this week. I hope you come back next week for our next episode of Salt and Light Ministries. It's the 513 Project, becoming that salt and light. Until then, be bold, be strong, and be blessed.